Epimass is an annual event in which special bundles of indie role-playing games are put on sale, with the twist that anyone who buys one also gets to gift those same games to someone else. Rick and Rob spoke with the founder and organiser of Epimass, Epidai Ravishal, about this year's bundles. Epimass orders can be taken until the 23rd of December, and the games will be sent out on Epimass itself the 24th. Google Epimass and head to the Worlds Without Master link to see the bundles and spread a little gaming joy. So, Epidai, thank you very much for uh, joining us. I know you're very busy at the moment, that the Epi Elves are hard at work putting those little individual PDFs together in order to then to be distributed on Epimus Eve. Yeah, um, hand-stitched. <laughs> so I'll include a link to your interview with Bree Sheldon that talks through the, kind sure. of the origin of, of Epimus. But I wanted to kick us off first by asking, like, so what is the motivation for Epimus? Why do you do it each year? Uh, well, that's, that's a, a soul-searching question I ask myself every year. As November approaches, and I know Epimus is on the horizon, I, uh, I do have this sort of internal dialogue that the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other, trying one trying to get me to just have a nice, lovely, relaxed holiday season and the other one trying to talk me into doing Epimus again. And I'll leave it up to the listener to decide which is the devil and the angel in this situation, because I honestly can't tell. Originally, Epimus was about sort of encouraging people to give PDFs of games as gifts. I mentioned in the Bree Sheldon interview that Epimus predates the iPad. So it's before we really kind of used e-readers of any sort. And so the, the idea of buying a PDF instead of buying the actual book was new, a little bit alien to people. You had to be sort of the, what are the early adopters to really want to to do this, to sit at an actual computer at a desk and read it. From a publisher's side, a PDF is an amazing tool to just bypass a whole lot of costs and delays and problems uh, and to reach a far larger international audience. We wanted to participate in the holiday sale, but as small independent publishers, we couldn't afford to do all the things that you would have to do to participate in those sorts of sales, including buying up like a larger print run for the holidays and then getting it all done ahead of time and out to maybe retailers or, you know, ready to ship. That's originally how it started. Uh, PDFs have, and just e-readers and e-books have taken off since then. So it's not so much a concern now. So I guess, how do you feel that Epimus has changed over over the, the seven years of its existence, where PDFs were a novelty or, or were far, far more difficult to a time where now you've got a tablet at the table and actually people are saying, no, I don't want the dead tree <laughs> version. I just want the PDF. Well, I, that's actually a good question. I think certainly there are considerably more contributors uh, to Epimus each year. I think this is by far the largest year, although I, I have a short memory for this kind of stuff, uh, which is why... We use spreadsheets. So one of the things that's happened that I really enjoy is that I like there, there are people now who have created games or tend to create games around Epimus, either particularly with an Epimus theme or, or a holiday theme. I know uh, Meg Baker, I'm going to say two years ago now, did... Uh, the one about the White Heart? Yes, yes. The um, I wish I could remember the exact name, but that set off her playing the Nature's Year uh, Patreon campaign where she made, uh, I think, eight games, um, one for each season and then one between each season. 
they're, so they're seasonally based short little wishing games, that sort of thing. Uh, they're, they're really kind of neat. I live near the bakers, so I kind of get to see these things develop as they develop. So uh, that was a lot of fun that over the year watching these games come out. And that starts with, you know, uh, her trying to come up with something new for Epimus one year. Or I shouldn't say, I shouldn't word it that way. I think she was just simply inspired one year uh, about, you know, it would go well in Epimus. And then suddenly was writing a game while we were sitting down having a cup of coffee. <laughs> and uh, all of that spun out into playing the Nature's Year. But that doesn't answer your question. Let me go back to your question. I told you I'd wander. The question is, how, how has Epimus changed? And I think that part of it is that we're really playful with Epimus. We, we change it up quite a bit with not a whole lot of analysis as we go along. Uh, in past years, we've done things like pretend that Epimus was taken over by Chaos Elves, or we had one year that was a naughty and nice list. So games that had to do with sex or graphic violence or whatever ended up on the naughty list and, and slightly less... Uh, or games that were specifically not about violence ended up on the nice list. Part of it is I get the games and then I try and theme Epimus as closely as I can to the games. This year in particular, I've decided to just be the open and earnest Epimus. I wanted to to make it all about just sharing the love and joy of the holiday or just gaming in general with people because I think that this year in particular, we could use a lot of all of that. As it relates to like how people purchase like wh whether or not they're you know there's there's definitely more indie games out there i now in the beginning i had to kind of you know contact all my friends and say hey i'm doing this thing please join me in this if you like uh and now i just do kind of an open call i just say hey i'm gonna do this thing and people show up uh there's there's plenty of producers out there there's lots of games like you said there's more than we could possibly play in a lifetime. And I think that, it's, I mean, it's an embarrassment of riches, but it's one that I'm very happy to have. Now, gentle listeners, know that at this point, we received a visit from the mischievous Grinchershaw and its technical difficulties. We apologize for the reduced sound quality from here on out. My first question is like just a lot of your opinions and thoughts. So okay. out of the romance trilogy, what game do you have the fondest memories of? That, okay, so you've really put me on the spot. This is great. So I, I will say that I have really fond memories of playing Breaking the Ice with Emily. It was really early on in our relationship, and that was a, uh, a lot of fun because that's kind of what the game can do. It gives you sort of an excuse to flirt, and we were looking for any possible excuse to flirt at the time. I'm not going to be able to, to rank any of them any higher than the others. Although I will say this, I have not played Under My Skin and I refuse to play it with Emily because <laughs> it's a game that is so good that it could get me in trouble. And I also have a very soft spot for Shooting the Moon. I think that was uh, the design of that game was one that I really, really enjoyed. And she's done some hacks of it that showed up in the Romance Trilogy Versus Nature, I think, was the name of the hack, where you, you play out sort of Jack London-style stories of folks lost in the wild. It's, you know, the human versus nature trope. And uh, you don't get a lot of that in, in games. I mean, you, you get some of that in as part of a story. The only one I can think of that's similar is maybe Beast Hunters. 
Right. It's not quite as lonely as a Jack London story would be because you're telling the story of two people out there and there could be other people too, like a guide or somebody coming along. So it's not quite as like one person who has to kill a dog so he can start a fire. Uh, it's not exactly that, but uh, it definitely leads you to try and come up with those horrible situations, which I enjoy. So out of the games that are written by people that you're not in a relationship with, <laughs> which one of those is your favorite in this oh, year's Epimus? That is a tough question. So you're asking me to play favorites amongst Epimus. Okay, so let me tell but, you... But, like, your your personal... your Just your personal favorites. Not to say it's the best or... Right, right. It's like, hey, you know, like, what are you most excited about in this year's Epimus, personally? Okay, so I'm going to give you a few. And I'll let you guys edit uh, down to whatever one that you want so that I can say that it was your fault that I left someone out. Um, <laughs> and you can Hitler. <laughs> so, well, okay. I'm going to start off by saying the non-game in the Mirth Bundle by Crom, which is by Rachel Kahn, which is the her comic strip about Conan the Barbarian being her spirit guide. I cannot in good conscience not say that that's one of my favorites because I've bought every single Bicrom thing that she's done. She also did the first illustrated cover of Worlds Without Master, and that's not a coincidence. Like, I specifically wanted her to do that cover. Uh, I really like her stuff. And that comic in particular, there's, it's, oh, it's just so good. It just bites at times. Like, there's just, you can feel a modern, like, I quite I quite like one of the gags about when she's talking about how, you know, skirts and dresses make her feel like she has to act differently. And Conan is going, you think about skirts all wrong! <laughs> yes, there are moments in my life where I'm like, oh God, I can't face this day. And Conan's like, what, this day? This is the day you can't face? So I, I love I love that comic, and uh, so that's I definitely want to put that on the top because when people ask me like what are your favorite games in it, the first thing I think of are the games, and this year it's kind of special because we have a comic in it. That one's in the Mirth Bundle. Uh, another one that I should mention is the Bloody Handed Name of Bronze by Joshua A. C. Newman, which is in the Comfort Bundle. This is uh, his sword and sorcery game. It has a, a, a really really neat feel to it. You can play either these heroes, heroes in the Greek sense, they're maybe sponsored by a god, or they're attaining these, this glory as they go along, and uh, the gods at, at times will, in fact, get uh, jealous of how much glory they're getting, so they have to be kind of careful about that. Uh, and the heroes, those are interesting and fun, but actually my favorite part of it is the name, uh, the name something. But these are people who, name dealers, I was just that's, about to say, <laughs> these so are people who deal with names. probably most excited about as well in this Yeah. And while perhaps maybe I might be in possession of it, I am actually waiting till Ephesus night to actually read it myself. Oh, nice. Yeah. The name dealers, I love these. These are the type of characters that I love in fiction. They're always in trouble. You, you basically, you know the names of the things in the world so you can make deals with them. And so you're a, basically a wizard who can go up to a stream and say, well, I know your true name, so what do you want, stream? I'll get it for you as long as you take me away from here and the problems that I have here. 
And then obviously whatever the stream wants from you is going to create new problems for you. So they're always just trying to stay one step ahead of all the problems that they have. And I delight in those kinds of stories. So that one was very much one that I enjoyed. And I, you know, I got to see that one in process as it was being made. It was a very small business card style game in the beginning. And uh, it's now a bunch of different parts put together into a, a bit of a larger game. I tell you some of the ones that, that I'm most interested in checking out. Our radios are dying, which I don't know a whole lot about. That's by Caitlin Bell. And you play, I think you're on a spaceship that's falling apart. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. You're playing characters stuck on a doomed spaceship. And you float around on, like, as you're playing it, you, the players, are on rolling office chairs and you're floating around. And I am a sucker for a good gimmick. And that is a good gimmick. Like, that is that is one that I want to play. So I'm, I'm excited about that one in particular. So one of my other questions was going to be, uh, which game are you kind of, like, most jealous of? You know, which games you go like, oh, man, I wish I, I wish my name was on that. Right. You know? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, okay, so there's some games that I, by title alone, I'm jealous of them. Uh, like, I haven't actually had a chance to look through and see how they work. But the Wizards of the Three Moons is... Oh, God, I love that title. <laughs> and uh, there's an easy answer to this, right? This is uh, Apocalypse World. Out of uh, all the beautiful baubles on the Epimus tree this year, which one is your kind of real hidden gem favorite that you want to highlight for people to go out and grab that bundle? Okay, that's good. Good question. Flavortown, which is a game that's a bit like a cooking reality show. The denizens of Flavortown must band together to cook history's most impressive meal that blends Americana elements with competitive cooking. Like, I'm super intrigued by that because I've not played a competitive cooking role-playing game before. I, I'm definitely drawn to games that remind me of the games of my youth, but then I'm often drawn to games that are, that are so far out there that I, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm like, I, I wouldn't even know where to start with that one. So that one is one that is in the warmth bundle. So I think there's another one that I'm really kind of proud to have part of it is the hashtag feminism one, which is a collection of feminist nano games. There are 34 nano games in it. I am super excited. I mean, that's not a single game. That's a product within a bundle that is 34 games in itself. Yes. Yeah. It's that, a, that's probably the best value for money bundle. It's a nesting doll. And that's in the <laughs> love bundle with uh, the romance trilogy. Uh, I mean, that's a pretty amazing collection of games, right? It's the, the Romance Trilogy, which are classics. I mean, I say classics, but maybe the only entries in the, in some of their genres. Um, mm -hmm. You know, a kind of mature take on dating and romance. Hashtag Feminism was, uh, huge, as you say, big editorial board, huge range of each, each game is created by a different creator. It's like a pretty good overview of both feminist issues and also uh, things like uh, freeform design at that moment in time. Yeah. Overall, that's a pretty amazing bundle if someone's coming into this kind of completely new. If I needed to get a bundle for someone who, you know, you don't want it to be complete rubbish, but uh, you kind of maybe have an awkward relationship with them, you know, something like a difficult co-presenter or something who's always cutting the best bits out of the uh, podcast, which bundle... <laughs> Uh, that I'd be getting that it's just like a slight burn. <laughs> There's no bad bundle. I'm gonna go on record. No, come on, right be now. honest with me now. Be honest. But I, this thing, it's just you, me, and yeah. I think there there are possibly two options that will 
will match you depending on your situation. Like the first one that I might suggest is the Goodwill bundle because that is the most ironically named bundle. I don't think there's any Goodwill to be found in any of the games that are in that actual bundle with the possible exception of Bug I've not played Bug so I don't know for certain. The name already sounds appropriate. Right, right. Then the other possibility is if this person doesn't happen to speak French, we do have an all French bundle, which may, who knows, encourage them to learn a new language and open them up to a whole new culture of gaming. <laughs>